What's going on, everybody? You're listening to a new episode of the Post Game Report. This is a New York Giants edition, which I try to do every year during the football season. Some of you guys know I'm a huge New York Giants football fan. I've been since 86. Now, the Giants lost to Seattle. They lost to the Seahawks last night at home. It was an embarrassing loss. It's crazy to think that the only two home games for the New York Giants have ended in pure embarrassment. The season opener was against the Dallas Cowboys. They lost 40 to nothing. Then, after a rough West Coast trip where they had to face the Cardinals, Arizona, and then go to San Francisco, the New York Giants come home, and there's some promise, there's some confidence, there's some hope that against a Seattle Seahawks team that does have a really good running game, and they have an opportunistic defense, you are hoping, as a New York Giants fan, that the injuries that the Seahawks have, to, have had to endure this season is going to give the New York Giants a slight edge because they had 11 days to prepare for this game. The Seattle Seahawks were without their starting left tackle. They lost a few linemen during the game, during last night's game. Their star cornerback, Wooten, he was coming off an injury. Uh, the strong safety, I forgot his name, he used to play for the Jets, whatever his name is, I don't care. Uh, tremendous player. He was coming back after being out for nearly a, an entire year, a calendar year. So, in his first series coming back from an injury, he gets a concussion because he tries to hit Daniel Jones low. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. My man was trying to go low on Daniel Jones, maybe take a knee out or something. So maybe it was karma. Maybe it was instant karma that <laughs> he wind up getting the worst out of that freaking tackle. But anyway, the fact that you had the star player go out the first freaking drive of the game, and the New York Giants still couldn't generate a steady rushing game or go deep on the Seattle Seahawks injured riddle secondary. Witherspoon, who's a rookie, he looked like the next coming of freaking Ronnie Lott last night. The kid was, he had two sacks, an interception for a fucking touchdown, and he was coming off an injury. Wooten was coming off an injury. And then you had their star safety go out in the first freaking few plays of the game. The New York Giants should have been trying to just run deep patterns, even if they don't complete them, just scare the shit out of the secondary. But the point in that, or in order to make that work, you need to fucking try. And that's something that I didn't see from Daniel Jones. Now, I'm not going to be like a lot of these content creators who I see on YouTube or Twitter. These, these creators are some of the weirdest motherfuckers 
I thought people in the video game industry or content creators surrounding video games were weird. Look at a New York Giants Twitter account, or not an official New York Giants Twitter account, but look at someone with the title New York Giants something on their fucking Twitter account and see how f- arrogant and and stupid they are, right? They think they know so much about football because they watch other people uh, people's videos and all of a sudden they start repeating these same words about technique and this and that. Or you go into a a New York Giants-related Twitter space, and you're hearing these people talking like they know exactly what the players know. Like last night, I was listening to one after the game because, you know, I like to suffer. (laughs) And I did it last year, right? Whenever the New York Giants lost the game last year, you sit through the good and the bad. You go into Twitter space when they win, everybody's happy. When you go into Twitter space when they lose, everybody's frustrated and pissed off. So last night, I'm listening to some dude. He's talking about how Daniel Jones needs to see a sports doctor or a psychiatrist because, you know, Daniel Jones, when this happens, he feels this way. And Bob, as soon as you say that somebody feels a certain way and you're just some random dickhead watching, t- watching Daniel Jones on TV, then I, I lose all interest in the conversation because now you're just imagining that you know exactly what a professional quarterback is going through. Nowhere in, in, in this dude's epilogue did he say, I think. This is what's happening. No, he said, this is what's happening. He's doing this. And when he does this, this is what he's thinking. And I'm like, whoa. As soon as you said, this is what he's thinking. Unless you are his quarterback coach or very close friend of his. Why would you say that about a professional athlete? When you are just a regular Joe Schmo sitting in the living room watching the New York Giants play. Badly, of course. And I know a lot of people are frustrated. I grew up watching this sport. I grew up watching horrible Yankees, New York Yankee teams, and some of the best New York Yankee teams. I've seen the New York Giants win four Super Bowls. I'm very fortunate. I could be a freaking Lions fan, a Vikings fan, a New York Jets fan. Those teams have a sniffed a a Super Bowl in a while. I mean, at least the Jets won one. And they've had some really good teams back in the 90s and early 2000s. I could be off a little bit, but Jim, uh, what's his name? Jim Ryan, I think. That ground and pound, that team was freaking, they were dominant. They were a freaking special team. So, what you're seeing by this New York Giants team and its fans is really nothing new because in real life, when I've spoken to angry coworkers about New York Giants teams, you know, I remember one day where um, there was a rookie quarterback sitting behind Eli Manning and my coworker was like, you know, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of Eli Manning. Why don't they put the rookie in? And I'm like, dude, this rookie 
would be even worse than Eli Manning. At least Eli Manning gives us a chance to win a fucking game. So I understand when fans are frustrated, they say some weird shit. It's normal. But when you start insinuating that you know exactly what players are supposed to do and what a coach is supposed to call at that specific time, or better yet, what players are thinking at that particular time, then I don't take your content or your opinion serious at all. So I had to listen to a bunch of that shit, and my wife's like, why are you listening to this guy? And I said, you know what? You're right. Let me turn this shit off because all of a sudden everyone knows how to be a GM, how to be a head coach, how to be a New York Giants quarterback. But once again, that's not necessarily something that is strictly related to football fans. I do a video game podcast and I see a lot of People making weird statements as if they are publishers, they run a publishing company, or they are a developer. Or better yet, they know how to create a video game console better than the architects who created these video game consoles. So none of this buffoonery is new. It's frustrating. So immediately there there are people blaming Daniel Jones, solely blaming Daniel Jones, which isn't right. He does have a lot of, there's a lot of blame to hand over to Daniel Jones for that game against the Seahawks. Without a doubt. Without a freaking doubt. But football is a team sport. Just like baseball, right? Where there's more chances for an individual to make an impact. But if you are a freaking, uh, Aaron Judge, who is a feared power hitter. You can get three home runs, but if the rest of your team is not hitting and your pitching is giving up 10 runs, then your team is going to lose. If your offensive line is incapable of run blocking and pass blocking, your offense is in shambles. And then eventually, when that offense is going three and out every fucking series, your defense is now being affected because now they are worn out. They're running around chasing world-class athletes and they're doing all they can to keep the game competitive, but the offense ain't doing their part. So yeah, you can have Kayvon Thibodeau getting two sacks, which is great to see. But by the time he got his second sack, the the freaking game was out of reach. The tackling was a little better. They did give up one long pass play where Font, who I mentioned in the last podcast, he's fast. They're tight end. And he freaking tiptoes 50 yards down the field, nearly scores a freaking touchdown after a few players tried to tackle him. It was an embarrassing play by the defense. But for the most part, they hung in there. They held the Seahawks to a respectable, uh, you know, I'm not counting the freaking 97-yard interception return. But 
what, 14 points? They held the Seahawks to 14 freaking points. So, if you do that, chances are it's either an old school uh, run and defense game back in the 80s, you know, a game where it's seven to three or something like that, and both teams are playing tremendous defense and wearing you down with the running game. Unfortunately, the NFL doesn't want games like that, so they do everything they can to make the offense to make offense a lot easier for teams. The New York Giants couldn't generate shit. Number one, because the offensive line was giving up pressure. And then you had your starting center hurt, so you had to move your left guard who just came off concussion protocol. You put him at center. You put Lemieux back at left guard, a guy who gave up a bunch of pressures and a sack last game against the freaking 49ers. And then you got Josh Azudu playing left tackle again. He's a guard. And this was the worst game in his career. I believe he gave up three sacks and a shitload of pressures. And then Evan Neal, I believe he gave up one sack or something. And... Maybe not, I don't think he gave up a sack, but he gave up some pressures that led into sacks. And then the young man, McKeithen, I mean, actually, that entire offensive line, they're freaking young. So, McKeithen had a bad game. And in the fourth quarter, it was like a freaking mockery. It was like, hey, you want some sacks? Go out there. Go get yourself some sacks. The Seahawks who had about five sacks in three games coming into last night's game against the New York Giants, they left there with 11 sacks. I believe the tackle for a loss where their rookie cornerback, Witherspoon, ran in and just blew up. Uh, I even forgot the fucking wide receiver's name for the New York Giants because he hasn't been doing much. But they tried some trickery where Daniel Jones gave it to the wide receiver and he was going to throw it. And that shit was blown up in the backfield. They counted that as a sack. So 11 sacks. When you came into the game with only five, you leave having 16 in four fucking games. (laughs) That's unbelievable, man. And that's all thanks to the New York Giants. So. Instead of being like these other content creators, let me tell you a quick story about my interaction with one of these content creators. Uh, I've been following, you know, I go to these Twitter spaces since last year, and a lot of us, we were genuinely excited about the way the New York Giants were playing last season. And a bunch of us followed each other. But then throughout the offseason, You kept seeing these people that at one point were pretty cool. You start seeing them change because now they want to outdo each other. They, they get a little bit of popularity and their head gets fucking swollen. And now they think they're way too good to just talk to the average Joe. And then you start seeing them repeat some of the garbage that other people are saying. So 
The biggest thing was that Daniel Jones got signed for this huge contract. And then also, Saquon Barkley was given a one-year deal, and the New York Giants didn't want to pay him. Unfortunately for Barkley, the running back market is a shit show. It is insulting. Because I might have said it in one of my previous episodes, the running backs back in the 80s, the 90s, they were the fucking superstars. Some of the most popular players in NFL histories are running back. And the fact that the running back position is such an afterthought and they don't want to pay these super athletes that can change a game is insulting. And the reasoning is because the running backs, like the center and the quarterback, they get the ball so much and their bodies wear down a lot quicker than most players in the NFL. It's crazy because Walter Payton played in an era where it was brutal as shit. Some of these receivers, you know, Jerry Rice, he played in an era where they didn't have a five-yard rule. Cornerbacks were beating the shit out of these freaking wide receivers before the catch, after the catch. And it's crazy to think that Jerry Rice still leads the NFL in NFL history he still has the most receptions and he played through an era where the gladiator side of football was in full effect where there was no holds barred quarterbacks were getting destroyed running backs were getting you know that were getting hit by freaking Mack trucks every fucking play you know the linebacker and the running back, which in high school were interchangeable, right? Most running backs in high school were inside linebackers. So running backs were getting a beating since high school. But then again, they were some of the best athletes on the team. Now you have wide receivers who look like tight ends because the wide receiver position is the more lucrative when it comes to popularity, and finance. And not only that, but after five yards, you can't touch a wide receiver. And if you do a ticky-tack pass interference call, or you, you know, you, it's called, right? So, and, and then when they, when they get the ball, you got to be careful how you hit these fucking players. So the running back is suffering because they cannot find a way to properly instill some kind of regulation on how you tackle them or some limitations how you tackle them because you have the quarterback. They don't want defenders sacking a quarterback and putting all their weight on top of the quarterback. They don't want people hitting above the shoulder when a running back or a wide receiver is a runner, right? Any, any player who becomes a runner with the ball, tackling towards the head is illegal, which, by the way, is something that was taught in high school when I played. So that's a great rule. But now you have defenders nervous about getting fined, being penalized 15 yards, 
and they're hitting at the knees. And you're seeing all these players being carted out with knee injuries. So, how does a running back maintain, how does the running back position maintain its worth? And, and, and I know I'm, I'm going off topic, but a lot of people who call themselves New York Giants content creators were creating this division, they were creating this divide between New York Giants fans. You have a bunch of content creators who are angry at Daniel Jones for his contract. Number one, it's the New York Giants organization that gave him that money. You have to be mad at them. Then there you have, there's the same content creators who are pissed off that Saquon Barkley didn't get money that they figured he deserves. Unfortunately for Saquon Barkley, there's a running back market that is telling management, hey, you don't have to pay a running back this large amount of money anymore. But that is on the front office, whether it's Joe Shane or the Maras telling them, uh, telling Joe Shane, bring back Daniel Jones, who the fuck knows? So you have that crowd, right? And then you have the other crowd that is saying, yeah, I'm glad they brought Daniel Jones back. He's better than Dak Prescott. He's not that far off from being a star quarterback. He could be a top five quarterback. I've heard plenty of content creators say that shit. And of course, I laugh because I'm like, no, Daniel Jones is nowhere near a fucking top five quarterback. He's middle of the pack. He can win you some games. All he needs to do is not be the reason why we lost a fucking game, which is what happened against the Seahawks. His pick six, that totally took the air out of any comeback. It just, after that, everything just went to shit. New York Giants were actually in it. They could have, had they scored, it would have been 14 to 10. The momentum was on the Giants' side. You never know. They could have come back because the Seahawks weren't really lighting it up on offense either. But right away, all these, all these content creators who were against signing Daniel Jones, now they jump on those people who say, man, the offensive line really let down the offense and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right away, they're telling you, they're calling you, uh, Defenders of Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones sympathizers. So they're, they're preaching this divide between New York Giants fans because now they're mocking people who say, you know what? Evan Neal's not panning out. He's not giving Daniel Jones time. They take that criticism about Evan Neal and, and ignore it and jump back to Daniel Jones and his freaking contract. Which tells me that these content creators have no creativity. In ha and if they're not criticizing Daniel Jones, they have nothing to fucking talk about. 
And then you have, once again, the sympathizers, which I don't really see that much. They say, you know what? Daniel Jones needs more time. What did you expect? What did you expect Daniel Jones to do? And blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, I don't see that many people saying that. Which leads me back to my fucking story with this. Uh, let me see if I see the name on my damn phone. The, the, the accounts. And for some reason, in my head, I feel like I, I sound like Alex Jones. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> let me see if I find this fucking account. Because you have somebody talking shit who's probably from fucking Long Island or Jersey trying to talk shit to me. The name of the account is Online Big Blue Entertainment LLC. We were following each other, and then he made a statement about... Let me see if I can find the original tweet. So this was a tweet that this account put up. I'm going to read exactly what it said. It says, so the New York... Uh, wait, so... The Daniel Jones fans are asking others to be nice on Twitter after his latest failure. And then he puts, hmm, where was the courtesy when he was the quarterback messiah? All right. You know what's funny? I don't remember all that other shit. So then again, he signs up for. Twitter blue, maybe he edited his fucking tweet. So I responded, and I'm going to say word for word what I said. I responded saying, I have never seen anyone on Twitter say such a thing. And then another guy put something in the, in, in, well, actually, let me read what the other guy said. The other guy I don't, that I don't follow, I guess follows this account, said, more made-up stuff for interactions. So this fucking guy, this online big blue entertainment goes, the crack is strong in you too, and then he puts in capital LOL. And my response was, you're so defensive over a simple observation, but I'm the one who's smoking crack. So, I saw the guy's face. He looks like he's from fucking Long Island or something like that. Talking about crack, people on crack. I've seen the real effects of crack first fucking hand, number one. So, I don't take people joking about that lightly. But then again, he doesn't know me. I don't know him, so I don't expect him to know that. And then, he's insinuating that I'm one of these Daniel Jones apologists or whatever the hell he called them. And all I'm doing is making a simple observation that I have never seen anyone on my Twitter feed after the game, after last night's game, say, hey, take it easy on Daniel Jones. Be nice. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a tweet like that from any New York Giants fan since Daniel Jones has been on the fucking team and Twitter's been a thing. 
So because I said one simple observation, which is true, I have not seen anybody say, hey, be nice to Daniel Jones. And then he says, I'm on crack. Which tells me that the fucking dude, and then he puts a capital LOL, like that was the funniest shit he's ever said. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I've been pretty cool on Twitter. I haven't been getting into any debates with anyone. I haven't been trolling people because I think, you know, there's time, there's a time and place for that. And I'm not in the mood for any of that shit, but I was like, I can make this guy block me by just going off on whatever. And, but it's not worth it because all he's gonna, at the end of the day, All he's going to say is, oh my God, this Daniel Jones fan got on my case because I said he's on crack and blah, blah, blah. It's going to give him a small victory for whatever reason he decides it's a victory. So I just unfollowed. I just unfollowed the account. I'm like, I'm sure his fucking content is very similar to all the other New York Giants related content creators. There's only a few that I listen to. Uh, Carl Banks is one of them because Carl Banks is a fucking New York Giants legend. So of course I'm going to listen to Carl Banks over some random fucking account saying online Big Blue Entertainment LLC. And then there are other former players for the New York Giants who have their own podcast. And then you have the official New York Giants podcast. And then there are a few content creators who I listen to either on YouTube or on their podcast. But for the most part, when it's a traditional podcast that's only audio, it's usually from former players. On YouTube, I'll watch a few content creators who are just a regular average Joe Schmo like me. Who wants to talk about the New York Giants? The rest of these noodleheads, they're, all they're doing is trying to find what the, the hot topic is at the moment. And of course, it's going to be criticize Daniel Jones. You throw that out there and then you hope that somebody disagrees with you so that you create some kind of freaking engagement. Now, this online big blue web juice man whatever the fuck he calls himself he has twitter blue which means he can actually monetize his engagement so of course he's going to try to either lure me into some debate so there's like more interaction and people looking at it i don't know i don't know what was his motive behind calling you know saying i was on crack with lol in capitals I guess he's starving for attention or engagement. And that's basically most of the New York Giants content creators. And video game creators, right? (laughs) Unless it's controversial, nobody's going to fucking bother to check your shit out. And it's the enablers that enable these people to get away with making the same bullshit over and over. So what I want to do a little different is... Try to come up with a way to see what the problem is with the New York Giants. And is there a solution? Because as it stands, Brian Dable is 
going to be tested like he's never been tested as a head coach. This team is in turmoil, like in legit turmoil. They are being embarrassed at home two games in a row. You can't do that. You could be embarrassed on the fucking road, but when you're on, on your home turf and you have Lawrence Taylor and Michael Strahan pumping up the crowd, how the fuck do you lose that game? So you have the coaches. You have Joe Shane. You have the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach. A lot of people want him fired. Johnson. There needs to be some changes. And maybe you have to bench Daniel Jones and see what Tyrod Taylor has. I would only do that when uh, Andrew Thomas comes back. I would do that when Andrew Thomas comes back because maybe you bench Evan Neal as well. Maybe you put Josh Azudo at right tackle. There needs to be some fucking changes. And the thing about Daniel Jones, I, I am a fan of the New York Giants first and foremost. So whether it's Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor as the New York Giants quarterback, I'm going to cheer for that New York Giants quarterback. Eli Manning is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. I'm a fan of Eli Manning even to this day. He is doing incredible things outside after his football career. So I'm a legit fan of Eli Manning. Daniel Jones, as long as he's the starting quarterback for the New York Giants, I'm going to support Daniel Jones because he is one piece of a whole. Evan Neal. A lot of us were super excited when we drafted Evan Neal. We assumed that, along with Andrew Thomas, that the New York Giants had their bookends for the, last, for the next 10 years. I've heard so many content creators say that. Even professionals, even draft nicks. So either, either he's a legit bust, he is not ready to play a professional, uh, professional football at this point in his career or maybe he's a an outstanding guard maybe he shifts over to guard or maybe it's coaching i remember before last season they were talking about changing evan neal's approach to pass blocking and they were saying that johnson had this this uh, strategy where instead of just dropping back as a pass protector, you are actually attacking the pass rusher. I don't know if they're still doing that, but maybe you need to change that strategy for Evan Neal. I don't know if the coaching staff is capable of doing that and having one fucking tackle work in a, in a stance that he's comfortable with because during the off season he was busting his ass to to eat well to be in better shape he was actually getting coached by a former nfl offensive lineman his stance was looking better neil is a hard worker bright kid and he comes from alabama alabama they have nfl 
caliber talent, and they could probably whoop the New York Giants' ass right now if they played against each other. But the thing about Alabama, the last, you know, five, six years, whenever there's a star tackle coming out of Alabama, it seems like they don't do good in the NFL. It's the weirdest shit. And some of them go into, you know, playing guard. Now, there's a few exceptions, but I am hoping that Evan Neal is one of those exceptions. I'm hoping that he, he turns out to be a good tackle and that it, you know, the New York Giants don't have to worry about their tackles for a long time. And then you have McKeithen, who's playing what amounts to his rookie year. He missed all of last season. And then you have a rookie, uh, Schmidt, who got hurt during, this, uh, during last night's game. If he's coming, hopefully he's coming back because he's a, he's a really good player. He's developing, he's young, he's a rookie. But it seemed like after he got hurt, all hell broke loose on the offensive line. And then Bredesen and Andrew Thomas, they haven't played together. This entire offensive line hasn't played together as a unit since Andrew Thomas went out against the Cowboys a little too fucking late in the fourth quarter against Dallas Cowboys. So that's a problem. Not having your, your offense, your starting five play together in four games. That's a serious issue. And it's something that seems to be a problem for the New York Giants, regardless of the players, regardless of the coach, regardless of the fucking year. It seems like for the last 10 years, we've been talking about the same shit with the offensive line. It's comical. But then again, it, it shows you the importance of building the trenches. So, yeah, the offensive line, if they are not doing their job, everyone suffers. Everyone suffers, even the defense. Because if you can't control the clock and you have a great defense on the field all fucking game, eventually the law of average is going to catch up and there will be big plays given up. Players will get tired. Yet you now have to depend on your depth. So in the secondary, there's not much for the New York Giants. Defensive line, they have some quality depth. Linebackers, forget it. And you're asking these guys to be on the field for most of the fucking game. Of course they're going to lose games. Of course the defense is not going to look that good. Now against the 49ers when they were giving up yardage after the first hit, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. You see how the Jets play. The Jets and the Giants have the same record, but their defensive players, they come up and they fucking smack you. Even though they're losing the game, they weren't intimidated by the freaking Kansas City Chiefs offense. They were making life hell for Mahomes and that offense. They were physical. The New York Giants, they looked better against the Seahawks. But they need that freaking attitude. They, go, they are going to have to freaking make plays so that this offense doesn't have to go far to score some freaking points because it seems like the New York Giants in opening drives, they look good. And then they do something that just derails the entire 
game plan or momentum momentum of the, the offense. For example, the first drive against the Dallas Cowboys, they're moving the ball pretty easily, too. They're giving up pressure, but Daniel Jones still had lanes to run, get some yardage, and then they get an offsides. And Daniel Jones gets sacked. He loses the ball. Luckily, it's recovered. We're about to kick a, a field goal to give the New York Giants a three to nothing lead, and it gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. After that, the offense was dog shit. Then, against the Seattle Seahawks, they're moving the ball. They look good. The same thing happens. There's some pressure, but Daniel Jones has lanes to run through. There's a fourth and one. Dable decides to go for it. I was all for it. I was like, you know what? If you're going to make a statement, do this shit now. Keep that momentum going. Make the crowd hype. Set the tone early. What I didn't like was the freaking play that they called. They were trying that shit that fucking Eagles do. Where you got a bunch of linemen behind the quarterback and they push him forward. The Giants couldn't do that shit. Daniel Jones is 6'5". And he couldn't get a fucking yard. Even with two linemen pushing him from the back. The whole shit was wrong. The execution was wrong. And I don't know why they, they, they bunched everyone together and just made it easier for the Seahawks to dominate that play when all they had to do was spread the defense by spreading the freaking wide receivers and tight ends and giving Daniel Jones a better chance of getting a standard quarterback sneak. Or better yet, fake the defense out to a play action, fake the run, and then have Daniel Jones do a bootleg around the corner for one fucking yard. There were more plays they could have done. And it seemed like after that freaking ill-fated attempt at a fourth down conversion, it seemed like the offense just took a shit and started playing with it on, uh, and, and drawing on the walls. And the defense was more inspiring. They were all over the place. They were hitting. They had that one mental lapse where Font was running on his tippy toes for 50 fucking yards and a few players are trying to tackle him out of bounds and they couldn't. It took a hustle play by Simmons to get him down at the one yard line. So yeah, problem number one, the offensive line. What can they do? Maybe put Evan Neal at guard, which would be impossible at this stage of the game or in this stage of the season. I would bench him. If he's the problem, I would bench him. At least for a few games. And then Daniel Jones. I'm going by issues, right? I'm ranking them from issue one to issue number two. Problem one, problem two. The second problem is Daniel Jones. Now, of course, 
when you are hit as much as Daniel Jones, something's going to give. Your confidence is going to give. Your timing is off. Now you have it in your head that you have to release the ball a lot quicker. And maybe you're not giving play, the play to unfold. Like there were a few opportunities where Daniel Jones could have gone more than fucking five yards a pass. <laughs> it was like, it, it was comical, right? Because I had talked about Wilson for the Jets where they had one opportunity to convert a fourth down, a fourth and 10, and he threw it three yards to a tight end. It's not the same situation, but it's the same reaction. I had the same reaction. I'm like, dude, throw the fucking ball down the field. Because it seems like teams are daring him to do it because they feel like he's not going to do it. And if he does... He might rush the pass or leave the pocket before the plays can prop before the receivers can finish their routes. Something's gonna have to give. Either you put Tyrod Taylor and let Jones sit it out for a little bit so he can rethink, regather himself and rethink his strategy going forward as a professional quarterback. Because right now, people are going to think of Daniel Jones as a one-year wonder. And last season, he wasn't lighting it up in the TD department, but he was a lot better with uh, giving turnovers. And then the, the contract. People are going to continue to bash him because of the contract, which, number one, you bash the front office for that. For me, this past offseason, I was okay if the New York Giants didn't sign Daniel Jones. I was okay with that. I really thought that the New York Giants would go with Tyrod Taylor, wait it out till there's either they suck and they have the opportunity to draft a quarterback at a, at a, you know, at, in a draft. But you got to be a really bad team to be in the top five. I thought they would sign Barkley to a multi-year contract. In this way, you have, ty- you have some weapons for Tyrod Taylor. You're not completely giving it up. But I was okay with not having either or. I was like, you know what? If the Giants don't have Barkley and Daniel Jones, so be it. At least that money can be used where it needs to be used. And that is solidifying the trenches, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. Now, there weren't big name offensive linemen in free agency either. But at this point, they could have picked someone up who's better than what they got right now. Now, today they did sign a former first round pick, Justin Pugh. He's in the practice squad. It won't take long for Pew to actually start playing for the New York Giants. I doubt it will be against the Dolphins, but maybe against the Buffalo Bills. And with, with Pew, who is a veteran, he's not the biggest guard in the world, 
he has to get back into gameplay shape. So he's going to go up against a very tough Buffalo Bills front. And he has to go through his bumps. He might not be any better, but we'll see. But regardless, either you fire the, the offensive line coach or you hire someone else to help out. Or you start benching some people. But at this point, they, they have so many injuries on the offensive line, you really can't bench anybody. So you basically have to keep the players you have there now. Which is going to lead to a same-looking offense. Because if Daniel Jones is not taking chances, and if he starts taking chances, he's going to get more interceptions. And that's the fact. We have Darren Waller, and during the preseason, we saw all these video clips of him dominating the secondary. The fact that we couldn't throw it, and supposedly he was open in the end zone when Daniel Jones threw that pick six. The, the, the broadcast really didn't show it, so I can't tell. And I'm not going to pretend to be one of these, you know, analysts that be, you know, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to start dissing people again. So even if that, uh, Darren Waller wasn't open, throw the shit. So there's a jump ball. And if he can't reach the ball, at least it goes out of bounds. That's what I want to see from Daniel Jones. I don't want him to go for the fucking safe two yard pass because that's what it seems like opponents are expecting him to do. And once that happens, you see, because I stated in the last episode, the Seahawks were the first team to shut down Daniel Jones and his running ability. And teams started doing the same thing last season. Now, teams are going to do exactly what the Seahawks did to the New York Giants last night. And they're going to dare Daniel Jones and this offensive line to throw deep balls. And I say offensive line because the offensive line needs to give Daniel Jones the time to do that. Teams are going to dare them. They don't respect any of the wide receivers and a possible threat of going deep. We have Jalen Hyde, who has amazing speed. Right now, he's just wasting away. It's an asset that we're wasting. Waller, he's an asset that the team is wasting. And yes, I'm one of those people that say we when I talk about my fucking team. So, yeah, problem one and two is the line and Daniel Jones. I can't really talk about the wide receivers because they haven't had many opportunities to show whether they are capable of catching deep passes, catching jump balls. I mean, they're really not getting the chance. So I really can't put the wide receivers and tight ends as one of those problems. Which leads me to problem number three, which is coaching. Whether it's the offensive coordinator calling a very poor game, whether it's Dable and the offensive coordinator not trusting Daniel Jones enough, well, if you don't trust him, then bench him. You have a veteran in Tyra Taylor, put him in there. 
even if he's fucking throwing interceptions, if he's trying to throw the ball deep, then that is the only way this offense is going to stand a chance. You take away Saquon Barkley, and then what? And then what? Right? You stack the box against Barkley, but you also stack the box against the Giants' short passing game. So defenses really don't have to make any type of adjustments. You play for the short game and the run game. You can do it with the same personnel. We saw Campbell running a slant in the middle of the field, but Wagner, who is a 33-year-old linebacker, 34 years old maybe, he's running along with him. Campbell's supposed to have 4-3 speed. What the fuck is a... Why is there a linebacker running with you? So, I don't know what the hell. Maybe he was a decoy. Maybe he was a decoy, and Campbell was like, all right, my job is to clear this area so that the receiver comes in underneath and has clearance to catch a pass. Maybe. But why? Why at that point in the game are we doing dink and dunk passes and nine-yard passes, which they weren't doing many of? You just got to let it loose. Uh, Eli Manning, he made some really bad fucking plays. He threw a lot of interceptions, but you know what? He did it by trying to throw deep. When, when the New York Giants were losing, Eli Manning was at his most uh, gunslinger. Like, that's when the real gunslinger came out. Because Eli Manning would try to throw a deep ball between three defenders. But he tried. And the defense had to keep in mind that, hey, we might be winning by a a nice amount of points. But Eli Manning is still going to try to fucking beat us deep. So you got to respect the the deep half of the field. When defenses don't respect you, we see what happens. We only scored three fucking points. No, actually, I think it was six points. I'm not sure. I believe it was three against the Seattle Seahawks. When When teams can read you, I think it's time for a change. Put Tyrod Taylor. What good is it going to do against the Dolphins if the Dolphins are going to do the same shit that the Seahawks did and dare this offensive line to give Daniel Jones enough protection to try to beat him deep? So, and will they even respect the fact that they might go deep? It would be a nice time. I thought the Seahawks, in the Seahawks game, I thought the New York Giants were going to try to test this secondary for the Seahawks. Yeah, two players, two players, I think, I think even three players coming back from injuries. It would have been the great, a great opportunity to test them quickly, right from the start, and often. They didn't do either one of those fucking things that I thought they would do. <laughs> So yeah, problem number three is coaching. Somewhere in that coaching staff, there's a weakness. Either it's a lack of communication 
either it's a confusion in, in the schemes or something. There's no way that this team could look just as bad as Joe Judge's team. There's no fucking way. There's no way after so many years that this Giants offense continues to look the same. It's crazy. It's like I'm watching the same New York Giants team from the Ray Hanley era. And even then, they had better players. <laughs> so let me scratch that. But I'm looking at the, the freaking second year of, you know, Joe Judge, which only was, what, two, three years ago? So that's kind of crazy. And I can go further with McAdoo, McAdoof. You know, <laughs> even when Eli Manning was here, there was issues with the offensive line. Eli Manning in his 30s was getting beat the fuck up. And he still hung in there and tried his best to throw deep, to make plays. And Daniel Jones, I don't know what the hell's going on. The, the dude is not, he's not putting that aggressiveness out there. Maybe he's simply... One of those quarterbacks who sticks to the game plan meticulously and doesn't necessarily comp uh, improvise, he needs to. He needs to. And maybe benching him is the way to put in his head that, dude, you got to do more. And then defensively, as I stated, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau with two sacks, Zizel Jolari was getting pressures, you know, Dexter. Lennon Williams, they were doing pretty good. They were holding up the run. But then again, the Seahawks had injuries on the offensive line. They had a similar situation where you had a bunch of third stringers playing against the New York Giants. And for some reason, when you see <laughs> a depleted offensive line for the Seahawks, they look a lot better than the depleted offensive line for the New York Giants. So it's like, what is it? Is it coaching? Is it the organization picking up better free agents, drafting better players? There's a lot of answers that need to be, a lot of questions that need to be answered quickly. Simmons played a lot more. I would like to see Simmons play some more. He has unique speed at linebacker, and he gets to places pretty freaking quick. And with an impact. And then uh, McFadden had a nice play defending a pass out the backfield, breaking up a pass that could have resulted in a first down. And to his credit, he held in there, broke the pass up, didn't give up. And Deontay Banks, he had to go up against freaking a tough-ass wide receiver He's going up against Metcalf, who Metcalf is 6'5", like 240. He's built like a tight end. He's a freak of nature. Looks like a line, looks like a damn defensive end. He didn't give up huge yards and held his own against a very physical wide receiver, one of the best in the game. So the defense, you saw improvements. Now against the Miami Dolphins, holy shit. 
There's some really fast players on that Miami Dolphins offense. It's going to be a really big test for this New York Giants defense. So defensively, I was okay. I was okay with the effort. Maybe they continue to build on this and games are a lot closer going forward. But then again, you have the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, two teams that can score 30 in a freaking, in in a half, easily. It's going to be a crazy fucking, it's going to be a crazy two weeks if you're a New York Giants fan. Anyway, special teams was a joke. You know, the punt punt return situation, they got to do something about that. There were penalties that, you know, were mental laps by the players on special teams. Really idiotic plays. The Giants can't afford to give away free yards. Once that happens on special teams or on offense, ah, we see the worst of the New York Giants. So, yeah, the players, they're going to have to look themselves in the mirrors. The coach going to have to look themselves in the mirror. And the freaking owners, the upper management. This is uh, this issue, this New York Giants team, the blame goes everywhere. It's not just Daniel Jones. It's not just the offensive line. The blame is on the fans, on the organization, on the players, on the coaches. Because as New York Giants fans, we were thinking the New York Giants were going to be a lot better than they were. (laughs) But then again, that's optimism, right? As a fan of a team, you assume when there are better pieces signed to your team or drafted to your team, that the team is going to be better than last year. But then again, that's why you play the games. Things happen. And the teams that we thought was going to be better this year don't play as well as they do because of situations. So the fans, the organization, the coaches, the players, they all saw the press clippings. They assumed they were going to go in there and stick with the Cowboys on opening night and come out with a victory. And when they lost 40 to nothing, that was the start of something strange for this New York Giants team. Not something I haven't seen before. I've seen some really bad New York Giants teams. So I'm getting that, I'm getting that feeling of another bad season, like a, a, a season where this team is the laughingstock of the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, and and against the Miami Dolphins, who they were defeated by the Bills, so they're going to be angry, right? Miami Dolphins are at home. They're going to be angry because they lost to the Bills. The Giants, they may have enough... they may have enough on defense to slow down the Miami Dolphins on offense for a little while. Because if the offense is not utilizing the clock, keeping the Miami Dolphins off the field, uh, the Miami Dolphins offense off the field, that offense of Miami 
will eventually open up and just score points at will. And that's what happens to bad teams. One portion of the team, whether it's offensively or defensively, will play as good as they can. But if the other side is not playing well, eventually, as I stated, the law average will catch up. And the talented offensive, uh, that talented offense of the Miami Dolphins will eventually find a way to score points easily and comically. I don't want to see that shit, obviously, as a New York Giants fan. But on defense, the Miami Dolphins, they have a formidable front line. Wilkins, who was a teammate of Dexter Lawrence, can dominate just as easily as Dexter Lawrence. And of course, if he's going up against the, the, the lineup we got on, on the offensive line, it might not be that difficult for even the second stringer to dominate. Then they got Bradley Chubb. Uh, they have last year's number one pick. I always forget his name, but he's a, a, a very effective pass rusher. And they got fast linebackers. So, once again, if they don't have to worry about the deep pass, their linebackers and, and their cornerbacks, they could just sit back, prevent the middle of the field from being open, and force Daniel Jones to keep throwing to running backs for two yards or try to beat them with his legs, and that's not going to happen. There's only so much he can take as far as being hit. So one day, Daniel Jones is just going to take a hit that he won't be able to recover from. It's the way it's going. It's going to happen. <laughs> so you look at that defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. They're, they're, they're way better than the fucking Seahawks. And the Seahawks got 10, 10 freaking sacks from the defensive line and linebackers, as a matter of fact, by blitzing. So what's going to happen against this Miami Dolphins team and then the Buffalo Bills? Holy crap. But I'll get to the Buffalo Bills next week. But yeah, the New York Giants, their schedule hasn't done them any favors. And most importantly, their players, they're not performing up to, up to what we expected them to perform. And it all starts with the leader, the, run, the, 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 the quarterback, right? And everybody's going to look at the guy making the most money and Daniel Jones and think that he's the reason why we're losing. If you think that, then you really don't know football. It's a team game. And it's not just a game where a bad coach can put a bunch of players on the field and let the players take over and win a game. There needs to be good coaching, a good game plan for these players to uh, orchestrate. And there needs to be coaches preaching discipline, making sure the, the players know the fine details. Because those fine details, those little, those little details are what makes a player better than the other. It was, it's what makes a team better than the other. And right now, the New York Giants, they, they don't have a grasp of the little things that make teams win. Last season, 
I don't know if it was just the New York Giants getting the luck of the draw. They were winning games, close games. They were coming back. They were forcing timely turnovers. This season, they're not doing that shit. I don't even think we've... I don't even think the New York Giants have, a, have an interception yet this season, which is telling. So there's a lot to be frustrated if you're a New York Giants fan. And you're going to see a lot of people mimicking, well, not mimicking. They're going to repeat the same bullshit over and over. And they're going to pretend that they're the authority of New York Giants content. And they know what the fuck they're talking about just because they subscribe to NFL uh, I don't know, to an NFL app that shows the plays after, you know, the games are over and blah, blah, blah. You're going to have a lot of con artists out there. But when you find those genuine New York Giants fans like myself who understands that is every team, every player, every coach, deserves criticism whether you're a fan of them or not it's okay to criticize them but it's not okay to just say it's one person because the problem with the new york giants it's not just one fucking person it is not and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use the jets as an example to make fun of them because right now the Jets are better than the New York Giants. But when you see a situation where Wilson is not making the plays, not passing, uh, he's inaccurate, he's not making those plays, right? You can say, okay, he's the reason why this New York Jets organization won't get far. But when you have the New York Giants... <laughs> where it's the quarterback playing similar to Wilson and then the lineman playing worse than the offensive line for the New York Giants and the defense missing tackles looking like little kids playing against, you know, their, their big brothers in the, in, in the dirt lot, bouncing off them, being bullied. Then it's not just the quarterback. It's an entire team that needs a wake-up call. And we're beyond the wake-up call because the wake-up call was the 40-0 to zero ass-whooping. Now it's just a fact of, hey, we've played four games. We still have, what, 14 more? No, 13 more games. There's 13 more games in this young season. As a matter of fact, what this, yeah, 17 games. They've played four. They have 13 games left to prove that they have some fucking integrity, that they're going to play with pride. Because you could be less talented than the man in front of you, but if you're playing with pride, you're going to give that person a hard time because these athletes, 
the difference between an elite player and an average player is not as big as you think. So you could have a, a bad offensive line like the New York Giants, but if they play angry and they play within their talent level and they don't make the mistakes to make it harder for themselves, they can be functional. Right now, this team is not functional, especially on offense. The defense improved last night. The offense, they just continue to go backwards in the wrong direction. And if it continues and it could spiral out of control, because the, the schedule is, is brutal, the next two games are brutal, uh, we could see a 1-5 New York Giants team and a bunch of people getting benched or maybe some people getting cut, traded, fired, some coaches getting fired. Who the hell knows? Regardless, it's going to be an entertaining season, whether it's entertaining for the right reasons or not. And I'll continue to cheer for my New York Giants. Regardless who's the starting quarterback or the starting running back, it doesn't matter. I'm going to cheer for them because I always say it. We get football once a year. Eight, we only get eight, what, 17 games a year minus the playoffs. I'm going to enjoy them because it takes too damn long for football season to come back. So excuse me if I just simply enjoy watching my New York Giants play. Go screw yourself if that bothers you. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. If you're a New York Giants fan like I am, hey, uh, there's, still, there's still a lot of football left. Let's just take it one game at a time. So anyway, you guys take care. Talk to you later. Bye.